it's a joy to to be able to come in front of this group of people that you know Cam and I love so dearly, but I think we love one another so dearly. And the the joy of being able to share faith and to to speak about God's truth. Um, you know, this class so often you know we do just we've been blessed as we we thought even about you know how we might express our gratitude to Mike for his faithful handling of the word and for his faithful teaching and preaching to us. Um, and it, we, Mike has just got a gift for mining God's word, again, faithfully, truthfully, and then applying it to our lives in ways that, uh, that just come alive. Um, one of the things that, that we, we've talked about in, in leading the class moving forward is that, that occasionally we're going to take a break from expositional preaching and teaching and, and, and move into some other areas of body life that, that we think can, can also be uh, a blessing to a to group. And we pray that this would be an installment in that series, but not the last time that, that we'll, we'll do such teaching as we, we move forward in the, into the year ahead. Um, so as, as we, we're all aware, um, you know, Mark Hager has taught so many of us about applied theology. So again, using the word of God, but using the word of God in a way that, that applies it to our, our, our one another lives, our body life. And so this installment, you know, I, I picked an acceptable sin to start with. Uh, fear, because, you know, we can all acknowledge it, but we can, also, we can all sort of acknowledge that sometimes fear, you know, it feels like it comes from outside. And, um, and like a lot of these qualities that we discuss, um, there's, a, there's a healthy place for fear in our lives. But um, if we're not careful, we can end up identifying ourselves by, by fear that, frankly, is sinful. And we begin to wear that as a badge and, and a label in our lives even more than we would wear the badge and the label of, of disciple of Christ. So as we think about this area of, of sin, and, and we're going to talk about it for the next two weeks, you know, one of the things I, I want us to do is think about how might we bring a discussion of, of this pattern to our, our one another lives. I, I, it's a joy to come to this class and break bread together, usually when it's got like sugar and, and uh, you know, sort of like cinnamon all over the, crusted over the top of it. And I love the fellowship and I love the way we have conversations together. And a lot of times it's, you know, hey, how was your week? What's, what's been going on? But the deeper discipleship that we all seek and that, that our hearts crave is that life on life discipleship, that, that one-on-one. So uh, let's talk about fear, all right? Um, has anybody ever seen this place be kind of foggy, like Lynchburg? you ever seen fog? You know, I, I, I can tell you that every time I see, like, that foggy morning, the foggiest of foggy mornings, um, where you almost can't feel like you can't see your hand in front of your face, I, I, go, back to, I go back more than 20 years to a memory of the foggiest flight I ever had, coupled with the least amount of gas I ever had, uh, which, is a, which is a recipe for terror, all right, in a pilot. And um, it, was, it was the staggering fear. It was my introduction to something that you might call the fear monster. And I don't say it was the first time in my, in my aviation career, but it was probably one of the most pronounced times. And frankly, we got to a point where with 19 passengers on the plane, um, the, the very, very opening part of the war in Afghanistan, 
and a crew that was augmented with extra pilots and extra, extra crew members, we got to the point where we were going to crash. We were out of gas. There was no place for us to land. We were not going to find that runway down there. And so we said, we're going to crash the plane now. So the question is, where are we going to crash the plane? And we decided as a crew that we're going to crash the plane where we think the runway is, even though we can't see the runway. And uh, as we, we had tried and tried, we tried from one end of the runway, we tried from the other, we tried coming in sideways, we tried with radar, we tried all kinds of things. We weren't going to see it. And so as we, as we ran out of gas, we said, this is our last pass. We don't even know if we push the power up, if we try to go around, if the engines are going to stop running because of, of the lack of fuel. And so as we did, as we got ready for that last approach in, one of the extra pilots on the plane got on the intercom and talked to our, our guys in the back, who are a maintenance team, and said, hey, guys, two thing, I got two things for you. Put on your helmets, put on your armor, cinch everything up really, really tight, and if you have any prayers, this would be a good time to say them. What I found out almost 20 years later, there was a man on the ground who was praying for us because he knew we were in trouble. And that man just recently retired as a chaplain in the military after 30-plus years, and he was praying for us. That grip, that fear, was real. That monster had grabbed me and that crew, and I felt like he had us by the throat and had lifted us off the ground and said, I own you. We found out that God owned us that day. We found out that God owns us. So if fear is a part of your life, I just want you to know this is a conversation for you, and it's not always that moment. It can be something different. It can be the mundane things. It can be fear of, fear of man. It can be fear of a diagnosis. It can be fear of a destination. There's all kinds of ways. Um, so what we want to do is talk about fear. We want to talk about where, it, where it's a healthy place for it to be. By the way, gravity is a healthy fear to have. Okay, physics. Healthy fear. Um, fleeing from danger, healthy fear, healthy place, right? But giving it more power, more power than, than God has, has granted it is not a healthy place. So what I want you to think about is that fear is actually typically in our lives sinful. And the beauty of coming to that conclusion is when we understand that fear is typically sinful in our lives, we then have the ability to use God's means to overcome fear and overcome that sin and to give him glory with the way that we deal with it. So uh, we're going to talk a lot about the characteristics of sinful fear today. Primarily today is going to be talking about that with some illustrations. And then next week we're really going to dig into God's plan and God's recipe for overcoming uh, that crippling fear. And so if fear isn't only a, if fear's place in your life isn't only a crippling place, and it's maybe a little more mundane, remember the remedy is the same. So we're going to ultimately talk about, and when we're talking about these, these areas, and by the way, this is not my material. Um, there's, there's, a, there's about two dozen of these little pamphlets that we have of different topics from Lou Perello and a few others in our biblical counseling uh, resources. You know, this is, truth be told, it's a half-hour read, maybe an hour if you really pour over it. But this is such practical material and it's available for any of us. It's a $3.350 pamphlet. Uh, it's available in our church library. So I want to encourage you, as you're thinking about a, an area of sin in your life or an area that you're not sure, just maybe it's an area where your identity uh, ha has been drawn, 
to, to pick up one of these books, see if there's a topic, a, a title that, that applies for you, and then, and then have a go at it. But again, understanding that, that the typical pattern of fear is a sinful pattern, we can then apply God's means to overcome that fear. And the, the typical biblical means of overcoming a pattern of sin in our life is to put off that sin once we recognize it as sin, be renewed in the spirit of our minds, be, be renewed in our minds by the spirit of God and by the word of God, and then put on. So put off, be renewed, put on. So fill in the blank of the issue. Today it's fear, sinful fear. Um, we, can, we can apply that biblical model for change. And then, you know what? Our identity is no longer sin du jour or my personal sin. Our identity, we're reminded that our identity is Christian. Our identity is child of God. Our, our identity is child of the king. So hopefully everyone's got a handout. Uh, we're just going to plow right in. Um, so again, I talked a little bit about the fear monster. It's tempting to sound really dramatic. It's tempting to make it sound bigger than it is. And when, it's, when you're in the grip of it, it tends to feel that way. But again, it's tempting to think that way, but it's not helpful to think of it that way. It's helpful to be reminded that it's an emotion that you ultimately can learn to control and again, God gives us our emotions. He equips us with emotions. But he equips us with emotions because he wants us to, to take those captive to what he has to say about those emotions. So we're responsible for, for, before God. When we identify sinful fear in our lives, um, we need to recognize it's born, it resides, and must be slain in our heart. Um, and fear can and should have a constructive place. But where would our fear be rightly oriented? Where's the rightful place for fear? Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Yeah. It's the beginning of wisdom, according to the word. But there's a reason that we should fear God, but you know, we can even fear God sinfully. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit as we plow through the material. So there's a place where fear should be rightly oriented. It is, it is a reasonable place for a limited fear to say, you know, I should fear touching that hot stove. I should fear hitting the ground really hard in a big airplane where I can't see what's below me, right? Um, I should fear angering a person who appears to be prone to sin. So there's healthy place, there's a healthy place for fear, but then there's an inordinate place for fear. Um, you know, just hearing some of the prayer requests today, I'm tempted as I hear those prayer requests, I'm thinking through the grid of, wow, I, there's a temptation to fear, a court, a, a court outcome a hard conversation with a friend, um, you know, a destination for a loved one who has just passed. I mean, there, there's a temptation to fear, but there's also an opportunity for us to glorify God. So keep fear in that narrow, constructive place, and it's got power for good, but this is really a conversation more about the sinful fear. You know, I don't know why I have all these pictures of mountains on this slide. I just came back from Colorado. It's all I could think of when for putting this together. I just thought about like God's beauty and God's glory, but I, I will say I don't want to over-spiritualize this other than to say God's, God's glory is worth focusing on as an antidote to sinful fear. And God's, God's the, the magnificence and the magnitude of who God is and just how small we are. Um, our family just came back from a trip to Colorado. We thought long and hard about how small we were and, and how, how amazing God's work in creation is. These are all attributes of God that will help us. So again, 
Fear is sinful. We're going to hit each of these individually, but just here's your, here's your way ahead. You've got notes. Uh, on, there's a, an outline here, and I just, you know, it's kind of free, free association with the word that you put in. I've got, the, I've got some verses behind all of these. But we're going to start with taking our eyes off God. If it's unbelief or distrust in God, that's sinful fear. Sinful fear, which is, uh, which is produced when fear is attributed more power than the Bible allows. And we talked about allowed places for fear. There's, there's, there's some insight and some wisdom. But if you give it more place than the Bible, the Bible should say it belongs. Um, when you attribute to God, you, you know, you fix your eyes on God. Remember I said there's, there's, a way, there's a way that we can fear God like sinfully. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that because what we do is we, we, we make him not the God of the Bible. We make him a different God. And when we do that, we might dethrone him from his rightful place. So we'll, we'll, we'll hit that one a little bit. And then we fear what God forbids us to fear. And then, uh, you know, getting down to some of these deeper heart matters. We're going we're gonna to dive in on this one a little bit more towards the end. You know, an idolatrous desire. If I, if I, if I want something more and I want to cling to it more than, than, than I'm called to, um, you know, that, that can lead to a sinful fear, fear of losing that. It can even lead to paralysis. Oddly, fear can make us lazy. You know, think about there's a lion outside, says the sluggard, right? And so he don't even get up. doesn't even take his hand from the bowl. And then ultimately, fear can be self, selfishness. It can be rooted in selfishness versus love. And when we think about fear as it applies towards others. So jumping right in on fear um, is sinful when it proceeds out of unbelief. We're very familiar with the story that, uh, that I've got on the screen. And it's Peter in the boat. And all of a sudden, there's the Lord, and he calls him out onto the water, right? And for a moment, I mean, we're, this, is, this is truly a miraculous occurrence. There's Peter on the water, walking with his eyes fixed firmly on Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, or at the end of the moment, he, said, he says, wait a minute. He took his eyes off, right? He saw the wind rather than, he, than seeing the, the one who created the wind. He took his eyes off the one who created the wind. And so in a moment, Peter's sinking, and then thankfully, he reached out, but in fear to the Lord, Lord, save me. That's an acknowledgement. Um, so unbelief or distrust in God. And of course, he reorients himself back to God, and he is saved. So when you're afraid because you don't believe that God can do or, uh, or will do what he's clearly promised in his word, your fear is sinful. So we just need to acknowledge that. And again, Peter was afraid because he doubted. So just building and starting with fixing our eyes on the Lord and, and what he says he can do in his word. He distrusted God because in the moment his, he, had, he had more faith in the wind than he had in God. So which promises of God? And this is the reflection point. We're not going to go through all of these, but you know, I encourage you, as you're reflecting on this a little, little bit later on, which promises of God do you sometimes not believe? When is God too small? When is the wind bigger than God in your own life? I, I know I've had my moments. Perhaps you've had some as well. So again, fear is sinful. Sinful fear that must be repented of. When that which produced the fear is attributed more power than that which the Bible allows. Um, it's a tragedy to consider those who might kill the body. And they might kill your reputation, or those who might kill your, your good name, those who might, who might um, defraud you. 
but it pales in comparison. You know, the Lord tells us who to fear. Fear the one who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Is there a, is there a big pool of people that we're talking about there <laughs> that we're, we're called to fear? There's only one. There's only one who can cast us into hell. There's only one who has that authority. So think about all the ways that we could, we could set something else up. Our feelings, things that we fear, enemies, environment, circumstances, your future, your finances, the loss of most cherished possessions. We'll dig into some of those as we discuss the potential for idolatry. But do you really believe that God is bigger than these things? Where are we secure? Where, can we, where, where have we placed our trust? And then we need that gospel every day to be reminded. If you really believe, you know, I, I love Bobby's prayer opening up. You know, where do we, where do we start? We start, being, we start by reminding ourselves that God is omnipotent. And if God is, is all-powerful, none of these other areas can, can have more powerful than the one who created them. And if God gave us those emotions, God set us in this place, God determined our circumstances. The day we start our jobs, the day we finish our jobs, the day we take our first breath, the day we take our last. God ordained all of those. God knows about our future, and he cares about it even more than we do. But he also knows about our ultimate future, that, that, that this side of heaven is, is the short part, that, that it's eternity that's long. God knows about our needs. God knows about our financial needs. God knows about our family's needs. Do you really believe that God is bigger than these things? And, and, you know, this is truth that we have to remind each other of lovingly, and these are truths we have to preach to ourselves. So, again, I don't need to go into the, the attributes of God with this group. You know them. But we are a forgetful people, okay? And we have hope that God is not prone to just spit out forgetful people. The Jews were a forgetful people, right? They were hard people to lead because they were forgetful. They were prone to build idols, and yet God is still not done with those people. He used them for his purpose, and he will continue to do that. So we need to remind ourselves what we believe as we deal with this fear, and then um, we need to preach that truth to one another. All right. Fear is sinful when it attributes to God, so uh, characteristics that are inconsistent with his nature. Uh, this is just worth being pondered, or worth, worth pondering for a moment. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, remember, he is the, the I am, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. That's a, that's a staggering truth. We can misrepresent God. We can think of him as the, the don't, I, don't take this the wrong way, um, we can, we can take him as the, the quote-unquote, the good God, right? The good Lord. Um, my God wouldn't send anyone to hell. You know, I'm going to sin and God is going to forgive me. No big deal. That's a, mis, that's, a, that's a misrepresentation of the true nature of God. That's the jovial uncle who lets you kind of rifle through his, his pockets and pick out all the good bits of change and maybe even the candy. That's not who our God is. Okay? Our, yes, sir. What about the say the man upstairs oh yeah yeah my, my homie <laughs> right <laughs> yeah um all of that those are like profane representations 
I'm the big guy, right? As Pastor Farrell sometimes said, yeah, yeah, God is my co-pilot. No, no, no. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit wrong. That's a misrepresentation on one side. But then the other side, and this is the one I want us to really, um, I want us to also ponder. Yeah, I, lightning has not struck me yet because God is clearly merciful for even uttering those phrases. But remember, uh, God is not an unmerciful tyrant. That's the other one that, that, that Lou Proyola wants us to kind of, you know, be, be oriented towards. He says, um, you need to believe that he is one who is a rewarder of those who seek him. In other words, he's not playing hide and seek and seeking to win the game and not be found. God loves you enough to, to, be, to be found by you, to be approached by you, by, by us all. And, and he, he's not a tyrant. So when we pray to God, our Father who art in heaven, think about the attributes of, of a godly father. Um, powerful, wise, just, but benevolent. If you've got an, a view of God that he is not benevolent, if he's not kind and loving and long-suffering and, and willing to do good to those who seek him, willing to be found and explored, um, then you miss him. And what, what ends up happening is if you lose that, that, if you have that misperception of God, really in either way, you end up in some, some places where, you know, the good, the, the quote-unquote good Lord, my homie, you know, is not holy and doesn't care about my behavior. And so we sin all the more, and, I, and, um, and that's not a wise place to be. But on the other side is we're terrified of this God, and we end up just in work after work after work when God's already said, look, I know you, I love you, and I'm willing to, to be benevolent towards you. So if we, def- we can dethrone God the Father, for a tyrant who seeks misery and ruin of his creatures. If that's your view of God, that's an improper fear of God. He is not a tyrant. He is not one who seeks the misery and ruin of his creatures. So ask yourself the question, to what extent do you really believe the Lord's willing to reward those who seek him? And remember, the reward is, this is not your best life now, okay? This is not, you know, health and, health and you know, uh, prosperity gospel. Remember, our reward is in heaven. Our reward is, is fellowship with the Father. And so that's our reward. And he's willing to reward you with that if you seek him. So seek the Father in that way. Fear is sinful when we fear what God forbids us to fear. And that's a long, long list. Again, do not fear those who will kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Um, the Bible forbids us from inordinately fearing people. Um, John, who's got their, their Bible open? To John twelve forty three. It's a familiar passage. Somebody mind reading that? John twelve forty three. I want to just be reminded of these. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Yeah. Cam and I attended church um, when we lived in Northern Virginia in the district. Of Columbia, and our church, you know, was a was a good-sized church with a lot of young people who were involved in, in politics, and a lot of middle-aged people involved in politics, a lot of old people who had been involved in politics. But one of the thing, one of the classes that that was taught again and again in that church was fear of man versus fear of God. And the idea was in that community in particular, and I don't think it's unique to that community, but in that community in particular, there's a strong tendency to think about the praise of man and elevating that and, you know, my position, my stature, you know, who I know, my network, all of those kinds of things that became like a grip 
on, on people's lives there. And so again and again, we spoke truth to one another with this core seminar that ran continuously the, the time that we were there on fear of God versus fear of man. So remember, remember those to fear. How about um, fearing our environment? You know, whether it's the, 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 the tornado warning, the earthquake, the, the whatever. Um, Psalm 46, one through three. Could someone find that please? And while, while, while you're looking, could somebody else look for Psalm 91, five and six? Anyone's willing to read? Psalm 46, one through three, please. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, you will not fear though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains make at its swelling pile. Yeah. So fear them at a point. There's a point there where we say, yeah, let's take shelter when the, when the tornado warning comes. But recognize that, that, the God, that the, our life is in the hands of the God who created the tornado. So there's a wisdom, but there's, there's a fear that, that can become debilitating and inordinate. And that's, that's the one that we caution. Psalm 91, 5 through 6, somebody find that? Tyler. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. Yeah, through six combat tours in Afghanistan and one in Iraq, I lived in that song. I lived. And, and so did she. It felt like there was a lot of arrows, and there was a lot of pestilence, and there was a lot of wickedness about. But at the end of the day, I could either live in that fear and frankly be paralyzed, or I could trust that, that none of this would, be, uh, would occur. Not one of those would strike me that would be outside the will of, of, my, of my father. And if he called me to a long, you know, a long life where I die in my bed, um, or if he called me to a short life and, and called my, my dear wife to a, a different way to raise our children, we just clung to that psalm. And as so many of my brothers and sisters in arms did during that time. So the environment... And then how about fearing bad news? Anybody worry about bad news, about what's coming next? Psalm 112, someone's there. Pick it up. Actually, I'll, I'll pick up Psalm 112 just real quickly. And read uh, verses 4, and then I'll, I'll skip over. But uh, light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and merciful uh, and righteous. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. Um, there is a lot of bad news out there today. Am I going to let it rule me? And the answer again is don't forbid what God forbids us, or don't, don't fear what God forbids us to fear. So again, sinful fear in the loss of some uh, cherished idolatrous desire. So this is where it starts getting a little bit personal. As Pastor Farrell says, now I'm going to go into your lunchbox and root around. Um, so this is, a, a, again, a familiar psalm uh, or a familiar uh, account where the rulers, and you know, we, Mike taught on this you know, many months ago, I think, at this point. But remember that, that the Pharisees believed Jesus they, they began, some, some began to believe and trust that he was who he said he was, but, but what held them back from acknowledging him? Nevertheless, many of these rulers believed him, in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him. For, for they feared they would uh, be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. So these rulers inordinately loved and idolized the approval of man. 
what holds us back um, that as we start thinking about it. So it's one thing to say, yeah, I, I would rather please people than please God. We're going to dig in on that just a little bit, bit further. So there's all kinds of idolatry that, that we can, can look at. So this is what um, Proello tries to, to draw our attention to here is that, that idolatry is really a two-sided coin. And on, on either side, uh, there's, a, there's an idolatrous lust, right, an inordinate place. There's nothing wrong with, with wanting to have some money. It's kind of handy to have in America, as, as I recall. Um, but if you lust after it, if you have an inordinate desire, if it's got a place that, that it doesn't belong in your life, you may, you may fear poverty in a way that is, un, that is, that is, that is sinful. Those who lust after approval, they'll, they'll, they'll fear the rejection and conflict with others. Is there a hard truth that you need to tell somebody? Is there a hard conversation that you need to have? That it's a God-oriented God conversation, by the way. Um, those who lust after control, they typically fear losing control. Those who lust after imp- intimacy, they may fear loneliness. Those who left, lust after pleasure, typically fear boredom. And those who love their own life typically fear losing it. So what are you most afraid of losing? You could fill in, I mean, this list could go on and on and on. But as you think about something that you're, that you're fearful of losing, if you think about something that you're fearful uh, of, of doing without, I would say, ask yourself, why, why would I fear that more than fear God? God knows your needs. You're like, we're like the lilies of the field, right? He knows our needs. He knows them even before we, we identify them. He knows what is needful for us. And remember, he's not the tyrant. He's not the celestial killjoy. He's that, that, that father who is, who is warm and righteous and benevolent to those who seek first him. So ask yourself, where's your idolatrous desire? And then say, if I fear losing that, is that a fear that, that gives God glory? And if not, that's something to be repented of. There's a lot of bad news in this presentation. I realize this is not like uplifting per se, but, but remember there's good news when we identify. I just feel like it's important to, to remind, be reminded of this. There's good news. Once we identify this as a sinful pattern in our life, it's something that we can, re, be, we can repent of. As we pause right now, and you think about the way you could have, even if I go back, if you could have labeled yourself as one of these, is that just who you are? You know, am I greedy? Am I... Am I, uh, you know, fearful of, of, of losing approval? Am I a control freak? These are labels we sometimes give ourselves, right? Do I have issues with intimacy? Do I have issues with pornography? Do I, do I lust after pleasure? Um, am, I, am I afraid to, 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 to make a move because I might get hurt? Those are all labels that we can wear. Remember, those are labels that we, don't, we, we shouldn't own rightly as, as Christians, as those who are actually owned by, by God. So identifying that idolatry, fill in your label, and remember that's not who you are. That's not who you were created to be. Um, this is just, I, it was an oh by the way, I probably all in, 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 included it, and, I, and I, as I, at first I was like, why, why are we you know, jumping into laziness here? But I even recognize in my own life that, that a fear of failure at times can lead to a fear of action. And so, you know, I, I typically think of the sluggard as the guy who's too lazy to go out there and get a job and, and do something, you know, productive with his life. But thinking about the fear that might motivate me from even, you know, keep me from even getting off the couch, getting my hand out of the bowl, 
And so recognizing that idolatry and that, that misplaced fear, right? This story of the talents, I, I, I think I've heard of this in terms of the faithless servant so many times. You know, the one who received one talent came up and we, we know the, the answer. And he's like, yeah, I wasn't really a big risk taker. Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Remember, remember that view of God? Is this, is this God the tyrant or is this God the father? How does this servant view God? I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. And this is a misplaced apprehension. And went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. I know that you're, I know that you're a hard man. But his master answered him and said, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew, that, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather, and I gather where I, I scattered no seed, and yet, basically, you did nothing. People who are fearful tend to be lazy because they focus not on their responsibilities but their fear. Just take that one on board and, and, and ask yourself, is there something that you should have done? Is there something you should be doing? Is there something you're holding yourself back from doing? That could be misplaced fear. As we get close, we're, we're going to wrap up. Uh, I think we'll wrap up on this one, and we'll pick it up with selfishness next time, and then we'll talk about the antidote as we, uh, as we move forward. So fear is sinful when it's rooted in selfishness rather than love. That's a hard one to sort of completely unpack, but just take these, take these verses with you, and then we'll, we'll start here next time. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. And again, love does not seek its own. So we're, we'll talk about the relationship between fear, between selfishness, and love as we pick it up next time. Let's go with a blessing from the Word of God. Psalm 128 says, um, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Beloved, you are blessed if you fear the Lord. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Blessed is the man Blessed is the woman who fears the Lord. So don't go in fear. Go in trust this day. And we look forward to picking this up next week. God bless you all. We'll see you in church.